Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code REDBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com. Judy Hare was a bankrupt, homeless, drug-addicted college dropout on the brink of divorce, but is now a seminary graduate and devoted wife and mother of four children. What happened? Find out in her autobiography, Shattered, How God Restored My Heart and Life. Her journey of faith has been called brutally honest, truly inspiring, profound, heartbreaking, and life-changing. Shattered is available now for only $15 on her website, judyhair.com, on amazon.com, or at your local Catholic bookstore. As Judy says, it is never too late to become the person you deserve and desire to be. So stop wishing for change and start doing something about it by reserving your copy of Shattered today. Welcome to Journey with Judy, a weekly podcast filled with faith-infused inspiration, information, and an opportunity for implementation. Now, here is speaker, coach, author, and host, Judy Hare. Hey, hey, Judy Hare here, and you are journeying with Judy on the Journey with Judy podcast. It's still, I keep uh, neglecting to tell you all this, it's still 2020, and I say that because somewhere many years from now, people are going to listen to some of what we've talked about. And I pray that what they hear um, is how God has created something so beautiful out of something that seems to be so tragic, uh, that he brings hope out of what seems to be hopeless, and that he just shows off in the way that only he can uh, make it a big mess out of a big message out of the mess that some of us feel like our world, our country, our lives, our churches, maybe the mess that our heart is in. So thank you for joining me. Our topic tonight is intimacy. Wow, I love that word because I'm pretty sure the majority on the, of the people listening to this thought of something different when I said the word intimacy. It's typically not at all what we think. And I thought it would be interesting to share, you know, just a really... Uh, intimate moment with my man and I. Okay, so my man and I have been married 127 years, and we have some real moments of intimacy, and I'm willing to share this moment of vulnerability because it so reflects true intimacy. So here's the story. Every morning, my man and I get up within about 30 minutes of each other between 4.30 and 5 a.m., and my man like hits the floor running. Uh, he, he has changed the water and the dehumidifier. He has switched the laundry, started another load. Um, he's restocked the refrigerator. He empties the uh, dishwasher, does the dishes from the night before. I mean, that's like all before I come stumbling down um, looking for my coffee that he already made for me. Now, I'm not bragging on my man. 
because there was a lot of time where he did that I never noticed. And now I love it. The more I notice, the more he does. That's worth jotting down. And he asks one thing of me. Okay, one thing is to be joyful, have a happy face. When I'm happy, he finds that to be really attractive. And he just wants me to make his sandwich. Okay, now forever I've been making my man's sandwich. It takes friends it takes literally three minutes if i'm putting the banana peppers and the extra seasoning as if i'm jared from subway then it might take four minutes total but literally it's less than five minutes and i swear to you in the spirit of full transparency every day i think i don't want to make that damn sandwich like i just don't feel like it like i literally don't feel like making the sandwich and so from the moment I open my eyes, I start to betray myself and I'm thinking like, what would be a legitimate excuse to not make his sandwich? Okay, this is true. This is who you're listening to. I am the host of the show and this is how I show up in the world and in my marriage. So, usually I just don't even share that out loud and I just make his sandwich. Sometimes with a little bit of a resentment and then as he's scurrying around doing everything for me, I feel better about stepping up my A game Here's the thing. Today I said, I don't really feel like making your sandwich. And he's like, well, then I guess I'll have a crappy sandwich. And I was like, oh, that made me feel so bad. So I made the sandwich. Now, then I lost my telephone and I had a coaching call at 6 a.m. Okay. So with all the work that I've done on myself, you'd think I've handled that like Mother Teresa. No, I was like, oh my gosh. I was thinking it's all because I made the sandwich that I can't even find my phone now. If it wasn't for the sandwich. My whole world fell apart in just a matter of minutes, and my phone was right on the couch where I put it when I came down. Anyway, the reason my friends, and of course I said sorry, I absolutely owned that. I said, I'm sorry, I love you. I still hate making your sandwich. He said, I love you too, and it's all good. Here's why it was an intimate moment. Here's why it was so intimate. Some of you are probably really afraid of the intimate moment I was gonna share. Because it was literally the ability to reveal the deepest part of me to a man who really does um, show his love through acts of service and this one thing that he wants from me that I do better than him that literally takes under five minutes. I was able to stand before him and just name it um, and know that he would not judge me. Uh, and if he did, he wouldn't do it publicly to shame me. It was just the ability to know how one was feeling and to share that with the other. So like that is what intimacy is. It's to know and be fully known. And so just for the heck of it, I looked up what intimacy was, um, not what Matthew Kelly says, just kind of what the internet says. And it called it a closeness. I was like, yeah, I could agree with that. And it also called it togetherness. It talked about three kinds of intimacy. And it said, there's experiential intimacy. I thought that was interesting that that's when we do stuff together and we bond. We grow in our experiential intimacy. It also talked about emotional intimacy, where people feel safe sharing their feelings, even the uncomfortable ones. And then lastly, it talked about this intellectual intimacy, which I, I, never, I never thought of it categorized this way, where people feel comfortable sharing ideas, opinions, and maybe even beliefs in a way, even when they differ from the other person. And I thought, yes, that is intimacy. In addition to 
emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy, physical intimacy, and the many ways in which we reveal the truest version of ourselves to somebody else. And so what it said was, is that if we do not have this component of emotional intimacy specifically, it says that what happens is we don't trust, we find ourselves frustrated, confused, and angry. Like typically, those of you who have worked with me before understand the levels of energy, and it's that level two energy of conflict. Um, and it's really difficult to feel, to, to, to believe that you are in a safe place to be known, never mind fully known, when you don't feel safe. And so I love that definition. And I love that Matthew Kelly talks about intimacy being into me see right into me see into all aspects of who i be into me into me see so he says hopes and dreams and legitimate needs fears faults and failings too and don't forget the feelings too i was trying to make a rhyme out of that it sounded great before the podcast anyway he says all of that comes into play when we talk about intimacy so he says that life is about love. And love, as we know, is not a an act of, it's an act of the will, it's a decision. Love is not based on a feeling, right? So if we're choosing love, he says that we choose to love things and use people. Matthew reminds us when we are being our most intimate self, we are loving people and we are using things. And so easily in our culture, how that gets twisted up. See, he says life is about love, but we let life get in the way of loving, right? So often we are so busy doing what we ought to be doing that we find ourselves not doing what we ought to be doing. The example with the sandwich, right? My presence to my husband this morning was my way of being intimate with him and my needs trumped, no pun intended, his needs in that moment, right? I use that word so hesitantly these days. Anyway, we get distracted by what we think are the urgent things. See, typically the most important things, my friends, are hardly ever urgent. They're hardly ever urgent. See, we can't live without this intimacy thing, and, and typically we also can't outrun it, right? We hide from it. Um, for a lot of different reasons. Matthew says that intimacy by definition is me and you revealing ourselves to one another. So it is not exclusive to the marital relationship. It's not exclusive to a significant other. It is in every and all relationships does God call us to this level of intimacy. So it's basically being known. Right, we can sum it up and say, being known is what intimacy is. So it's to give and receive love. It is to give and receive love. I wrote down that intimacy, the opposite of intimacy is loneliness. I thought that was interesting. The opposite of intimacy is loneliness. Loneliness defined as like a quiet desperation, 
we long for this thing, we desire this thing, yet it seems to be just out of our reach. See, people fail at intimacy, not because they don't want to succeed, mostly because they don't know how to succeed. One of my favorite scriptures is in the book of Genesis. It talks very candidly uh, and specifically about the topic of intimacy. And while the reference is man and woman, husband and wife made to, for one another, what it really talks about on a deeper level is how God said, here's everything. Like, here's everything you need to succeed, meaning being known and fully loved by and for and with one another. And what that requires is to be naked without shame. Now, I'm a believer in the best thing that came out of the garden is I'm standing in front of you right now with some clothes on, because otherwise I might be standing in front of you some nakedness. And the truth of the matter is, when we are naked, with the things that I mentioned, our fears, our faults, our failings, when we are naked with our hopes and our dreams, our aspirations, we reveal ourselves on levels that when we are concealing, they cannot possibly be known. See, so it's not a fear of, of being loved, it's the fear of not being loved. Right, so it's, the, it's the, the thing that stops us is the fear of being rejected by, not accepted by this other person, regardless of the relationship, which is why we tend to conceal. So interestingly enough, in the garden, God said, this is all you need to do in order to be true to you, in order to become the best version of you, then all you need to do is show up naked without shame. Bearing with one another, right? Was that was our quote, uh, our, our um, quote from one of the saints a few podcasts ago? Just to love, you know, to be inspired by the least of somebody's virtue and not be shocked by the the least of their vices, and rather just bearing with their failings or their faults or their shortcomings. See, because. What we typically do is we grow in our intimacy with someone because we have similar interests, right? So we're doing this experiential thing, and so we grow in intimacy. Well, what happens typically is our interests change. One or more people in any relationship setting grows and maybe goes off in another direction. In Retrovi, we talk about that as the married singles lifestyle. It's innocently begun. It's just like, hey, I'm just going to do my thing with no intention of eroding our thing. And ultimately, inevitably, what happens is it erodes the very thing that we cannot live without. So here's some interests that we typically revolve our life around, right? Whether it's a college experience, having children, our careers, those are experiential intimacy levels. And then when those aspects of our life externally change, we feel like, well, I'm in love, but I don't love. I, I love, what's the expression? Um, I love them, but I'm not in love with them, right? We've all, we maybe even have said that before. The truth is, I always tell people, the good news is, is you can be in love again. It's just a decision. And those of you who are online live tonight, 
I just want you to know that the reason I'm standing and jumping around is because I figured out what I don't like about the live call is that I'm sitting in a chair and it feels like a caged animal. And I just love to be able to be jumping around and I have my chair nearby in the event that I need to sit in it. So here's the deal. Intimacy is typically viewed as sex. Like the physical intimacy is what people think intimacy is. And really, as I mentioned, it belongs in every significant relationship. So it's this greatest human desire is to love and to be loved. And we always define love as what? The highest and best good for the sake of the beloved right? Why don't we do it? Because we're afraid we won't be accepted and we won't be loved. We fail because we just kind of don't know how. My acronym for fail is it's your first attempt in learning. So try, try again. And the thing about the, the changing interests, Matthew Kelly speaks about this a lot, is when we have a common unchanging purpose together, right? With our, with our kids, with our significant other, with our parents, with our coworkers, when we have a common and unchanging purpose, which is to desire the highest and best for them, we can never, we don't fall out of love. We don't fall out of interest because my interest is to become the best version of me and I want the same for you. So when we talk about this topic of intimacy, Matthew says, when we have a common unchanging purpose, then what doesn't change is the very thing that we keep doing, which is more and more revealing and less and less concealing. So the song that I had jamming before we started the, the live uh, call tonight was by Torin Wells. If you don't know it and you have a pen and paper, write it down because it is called Known and I'm actually looking right now because I had part of the lyrics and the most important ones I might have missed. This is intimacy. It's so unusual, it's frightening. You see right through the mess inside me. You call me out to pull me in, and then you tell me that I can start again. Now, I would sing this song, but it would actually be synonymous with the scripture singing a joyful noise because I do not have a good voice. These lyrics are exactly what intimacy is. It says, I don't need to keep hiding because I am fully known and loved by you. You will not let go no matter what I do. I love this. It's hard truth, like truth with a capital T. It's hard truth and it's ridiculous grace because you keep pursuing me and I keep going astray. And that's what we do. It's just what we do. It says it's the kind of love that's bulletproof. The chorus of this song says, how real, how wide, how rich, and how high is your heart? I can't find the reasons why you give me so much. I'm fully known and loved by you. See, that, that's the kind of love that is unchanging. And when we seek that from people who aren't in a place to give it, we find ourselves let down and disappointed and shut down when the reality is this kind of love is available to us all the time, every time. It's without an expiration. It's an, it's an invitation that, that never ends. 
And when we take advantage of that kind of love, our hopes and our dreams and our legitimate needs, they're fulfilled. And maybe not by the person that we hoped, believed, could, maybe in even profounder levels by a God who says that he would, and he never stops. See, Matthew Kelly says that intimacy comes in a couple different fashions. But by the looks of the time, it's like I'm going to get through a few of these and not all of these, which makes this a part two. So I just love that. So we're going to do part one, intimacy, and part two, more of me, next week. So he says we talk in cliches. There's a level of intimacy called cliches. If you've been around teenagers or in any aspect of your life, you know, they just use those words like, you can't wait to, to spend time with them, right? Whether it's your niece, nephew, your own kid. You can't wait to hear about anything that happened in the 15 hours that they were gone. And then they're like, fine. Like, I'm fine. We all know that fine is feelings inside not expressed. And so we want to know the feelings that they're feeling. And that is the number one least level of intimacy. We talk in cliches. Number two, we talk about the facts. Right, if you work with me, you understand that shifting to the facts can absolutely be helpful when you're stuck in your feelings. However, staying in the facts only removes the very thing from the relationship that it so desperately needs, which is your feelings about the things, right? You gotta feel to heal. Like the real feels is what I'm talking about because the facts are like about the weather, about some sports. My man loves to talk about the stock market. And I'll tell you a little something. My daughter, she's so cute. She said to me recently, mom, it's so cute how you actually act like you care about the things dad tells you. Now, what she means about that is like Bob likes to talk about things that really aren't of interest to me, right? Like he's looking at the show Botched and I'm reading my Bible. And so he wants to tell me about, you know, like Beyonce and I'm like, but guess what David did in the Old Testament? And so I just act like I care because if it's important to him, then of course I care. And so anyway, when we stay in the facts, we avoid intimacy, right? Because we're talking about the surface stuff and we, when we want to be known, fully known and loved by that person, um, we got to dig deeper, right? We just got to dig deeper. Matthew also says that sometimes our level of intimacy is, is not cliches. It might even dig a little deeper into the facts. And maybe even we can talk about and connect on some level with our opinions, right? Our opinions. And here's the thing. We all got them. We all have opinions. And they typically have been formed by our education and by our experience, which is why they're different for all of us. And so the more we grow, the more we know that being connected with someone doesn't mean we have to agree with their opinions, because hopefully our opinions and their opinions are always evolving. See, the thing about opinions, the reason that it can be an intimacy uh, eroder, it's either we're building it or we're eroding it. And sometimes opinions can be an eroder of intimacy because it feels conflicting. Um, when someone has an opinion that they feel strongly about and they share it with the attempt of convincing you to, to, 
to have that opinion at the end of it, um, that's not intimacy. So a lot of times we avoid what might feel conflicting because love is not based on us agreeing. Love is based on our willingness to seek understanding from the other person, right? Love is based on acceptance. That does not mean I have to agree with you. That means I can love you and try to see things from your perspective. One of my favorite images uh, of seeing things from a different perspective is a number, if I were to make sideways a number six, imagine that, a number six, and you're standing on this side of it, you are telling me it's a number six. I am standing on the other side of it and I am convinced it's a number nine. And there we go trying to convince the other of what we see so clearly. See, love, growing intimacy, knowing one another and desiring to connect with one another allows us to forget the opinion that seems and appears like a fact and allows us to come around and go, oh, I still say it's a six from that angle. However, from your angle, it's absolutely a nine. So here's the thing. We get shocked when people have a different opinion, right? We get hijacked. We're going to talk about that. Girls, I got to tell you, I have a women's series coming up in January, a four-week series where we are going to dig deeper together, and I'm going to figure out how to put you and not leave you in a breakout session so you're going to want to stay tuned about that because we're going to dig deeper when it comes to all of this stuff and how we can practice it in our life rather than just be inspired in this 20-minute little gig. So we avoid a lifetime of intimacy when we get stuck in those three areas. We avoid the very thing we were created for and we settle for so much less than what God had in store when it comes to being fully, fully, and finally known and loved by, with, and for our other person. So when it comes to the opinion piece, it takes maturity to recognize and accept that. See, there's times, like if you think about it, there's somebody who somewhere in the past had an opinion about something that differed from yours, and they shared it, right? Maybe candidly, uh, maybe a little too courageously, and maybe it cut, like maybe it cut to the quick. 77 years later, when you think about that person, you're still thinking about the thing that they said, that thing that, dis that totally you disagreed with, and, and so many years later, you realize the impact when someone forces an opinion that differs from yours. So I pray that we keep evolving, we keep transforming, we keep allowing God to continue the work that he has begun, and so we can start living and acting just like his son. Amen and amen. Tune in for part two of Intimacy Into Me See next week on The Journey with Judy podcast. Thank you. Thank you for choosing to journey with Judy. And I invite you to anytime connect with me. It's free. Reach out for a complimentary phone call and learn what coaching could do for you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Journey with Judy. To learn more about Judy's coaching ministry, receive a complimentary session and other services she offers, visit judyhair.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And remember, 
It's never too late to be who God called you to be. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.com. Dot app slash breadbox.